0: Heavenly Father, this morning, as we have worshiped you through music, we open your word to hear your voice speaking to us as well. And may you challenge us, may you push us, may you move in our hearts so that we can be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. When's the last time you've been really dirty? I'm not talking working in the yard or going on a run when it's 100 degrees outside, my goodness, it's hot. I'm talking really, really dirty. When I was just a little boy, about two years old, my family moved from one house in Mobile, Alabama, where I was born. I am a Southern boy. You can't get much more Southern than Mobile. We moved from one house to another house, and if you've ever moved, you know how chaotic it can be. Packing boxes, telling movers where to take things, backing up the trucks, all sorts of fun things. And when you have little kids, when you move, they kind of get put by themselves to figure it out. And in this case, in our new house, my mom and dad decided to put us in the kitchen after all the boxes had been put there. And so it was a safe place for us to play. And this is before you had the, the switch or an iPad or a cell phone. So my sister and I were just figuring it out, just playing and hanging out. And the boxes that were already put there in the kitchen were the only things that we could play with. And so we began to help my mom by unpacking some of those boxes. And one of the first boxes that we opened was the box of all the baking items. There was sugar, there was baking powder, and of course there was a big tub of all-purpose flour. Now my sister's two years older than me, and I don't know all the details. I don't remember them. But uh, I do know that somehow I ended up inside the box. And her hand ended up inside that flower. And scoop after scoop, she put on top of me. If you'd like to see a picture of dirty, I have one for you this morning. Would you like to see it? Okay, that's way hardier than first service. It was so weak, I had to ask again. See, see, my mom came into the kitchen. She saw what was happening and she screamed. My dad came running and he said, oh, honey, let's go get the camera. (laughs) She said, no, you'll track flour all over the house, but I'm glad he did because he captured what dirty looks like. Here it is, here's a picture of it. (laughs) Notice how clean my sister is. I'm not really sure how they got me clean. I assume it had to do with water, but water and flour just makes glue. I I honestly think that they scrubbed so hard to get my hair clean, that's why I'm bald. (laughs) We've all been dirty before, every one of us. uh, We've all needed baths or showers. Some of us, uh, you've had to go outside and use the garden hose to clean you off. We know what dirty looks like. Just this last week on Wednesday, I was having a Bible study with with Adeline and and Pierce Jamerson as we're studying for baptism together. And, And as we were studying, one of the verses that we read, Adeline read this verse, it's one you know well, it's Romans 3, where it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us. And we talked about what dirty looks like. Every one of us have sinned. Every one of us is dirty. Every one of us needs a bath to be washed. Isaiah, in the very first chapter of his book, as he's sharing what dirty looks like, he describes it in these words. Here they are on the screen for you. Isaiah chapter one, it says this. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. He gives a before and after. He says, before Jesus, you're bright red. You're crimson, you're scarlet. Like like an alert light that points... To you that says, you're a sinner too. Everybody can see it. It's bright red. He says, but after Jesus, you're as white as wool. With sin, you look red, but the gospel changes everything. Am I right? It changes everything. It's like the gospel was the original bleach, taking all of that red, that crimson, that scarlet dye out of, of your skin, out of your life, out of your clothes, you're no longer Uh, red, but you are white after Jesus comes in. It's like this. Some of you will relate to this. The gospel is like the original, ultimate, uno reverse card. Right? Like Jesus just played the card and you started over. You're washed clean. You're no longer the red. Now you are pure again. In the New Testament, Paul, he's writing to the church in Ephesus Uh, And he writes in the book of Ephesians, a special message for us this morning. And if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, where we see this message. I love the book of Ephesians. I love the fact that Paul is writing to a church of people that aren't perfect. And as he writes the book of Ephesians, he just shares the beauty of God's love and who he is. He says things like, nothing can separate you from the love of God height, nor depth, nor angels, nor demons, or principalities, or darkness, or light. He says, nothing can separate you from his love. And he goes on, and he talks straight to the church in Ephesus, and he says, the church is supposed to be a body working together, all the different parts working for one mission and one purpose and one cause And in the end of Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 29, here's what he says. It's kind of a conclusion, but I think you could take this little passage right here and just chew on it, especially for today as we think about foot washing and communion. Here's what it says, Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 29. Say amen if you've got it. All right, here we go. Here's what it says. Paul says to you and me, Forest Lake Church family, he says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now that'll preach, won't it? We could close our Bibles and just just think about that for a while. Paul says, don't let anything bad come out of your mouth. Uh, Nothing that is hurtful nothing that is foul, nothing that is cruel, nothing that is unkind. Instead, say words that build people up. It's almost like Paul says, it's not good enough to not say bad things. It's, it's don't say bad things, but then say good things to build you, the other person up. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew chapter 12. He says this, he says, I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they've spoken it's almost like Jesus and Paul say this. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Or take it one step further, say something that builds someone up and encourages them. Paul says to the church in Ephesus and us, like today, he says, don't say words that are hurtful, but instead use words that build each other up. He goes on, next verse. He says this right here, verse 30. Paul says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve. What does it mean to grieve someone? If you went to a court, if you sued somebody, you go to the court, the judge looks at you and he says, "Uh, sir, ma'am, what are your grievances? What's the problem? What's the issue? Why are you here? Paul uses this word lupeo. It's this verb that means to vex We don't say that too often, although you're in the South, that's where you're going to hear that word. He says to vex someone, to pain someone, to irritate or offend them, to hurt them. And Paul says when you are saying words that are hurtful, you're vexing someone. Uh, In fact, he says you're hurting the Holy Spirit who lives in you. It's almost like when we say words that don't align with the God that lives inside of us, we are hurting God himself. When we say words that don't represent God inside us, we are hurting him. Paul says, use good words, not the bad ones. But then he goes on in verse 31, and this is the part that intentionally fits with what we're doing today. He says this in verse 31. He says, church, here's how you you wash yourselves. Get rid of all bitterness, of all the rage, of all the anger, get rid of the brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. He says go wash yourself. Get clean. If you grew up in a house like mine, you know what it's like to be clean. I have amazing parents, uh, great values and morals. Uh, They've blessed me and made me who i am and i remember as a kid in our house you couldn't say dirty words bad words curse words mean words and if you did your my mom or my dad would grab me by the hand and they'd walk me down the hallway and straight into the bathroom and their arm would go past the shower curtain and they'd search around until they found that bar of soap you know the one do any of you know the bar of soap i'm talking about I see some hands. It's awful. I don't care what flavor it is. It's terrible. And they would say, Matthew, because your mouth is dirty, we have to clean it out. And so that bar of soap would be in my mouth, on my tongue, rubbing until it was clean that I could remember that the words coming out of my mouth needed to represent the God that lives in my heart Paul says the same thing. He says, get rid of that bitterness. Get rid of the anger. Get rid of the brawling and slander. Get rid of the back talk. Get rid of the complaining. Get rid of the ranting and raving. And we could go on and on. And Paul says, get rid of it all. He says, wash it off your body. Scrub it until it's gone. He says, for the first time in a really long time, feel really clean. And we get to this last part, this last verse that we focus on today. It's verse 32. And these, this is the method of cleansing, the change that happens. It starts in verse 32, and Paul says to you and me, he says these words, he says, be kind. We could just stop right there, couldn't we? Paul says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Ah. Paul says, be kind, be loving, and be forgiving, because you've experienced the forgiveness of God to you. Ellen White puts it best, she's one of my favorite authors, and she writes in Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings, page 113, she says, we can receive forgiveness from God only as we forgive others. It's the love of God that draws us unto him, and that love cannot touch our hearts without creating love for our brethren. It's like, he, it's like she says, once you've experienced the love of Jesus and the forgiveness and grace that he has, you can't help but forgive somebody else and pass it along to them. That's what the gospel is. You've received something, now give it to somebody else, and once we've experienced it, we too must give it on to somebody else. When you feel his forgiveness, you forgive somebody else. You know, many of you have read several books. One of them is uh, the Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. Any of you read that book? Any of you read that book? Okay, yes. I was worried for a second there. I thought, man, we we're gonna we're gonna buy evangelism funds from the conference Javier. We're passing it out to the whole church. He writes this book, The Five Love Languages, and it's all about how you experience love. But what you may not know is that he also wrote a book called The The Five Languages of Apology, which is how people sense that they have been apologized to. It's a great book. And in that book, on page 140, Dr. Chapman writes these words. He says this. He says, I've taken time to review God's forgiveness towards us because the scriptures say that we as humans are to forgive each other just as God forgives us. That's the divine model, and it is a wise and prudent model for making an apology in today's world. He says there's two points to it. Here he says, it has two essential elements. One, confession and repentance on the part of the offender, and two, forgiveness on part of the one sinned against. Two parts. One person goes to the other and says, I confess what I've done, and I repent from it, and the other person forgives them. It's the divine model between God and humans but it's also the model between humans and humans. It's how it works. And it sure reminds me of what we're about to do here in just a few minutes, in the ordinance of humility. Some people just call it foot washing. My whole life growing up in the Seventh-day Adventist church and many of you have the same experience, during communion and foot washing, you go to where the basins are and there's water there and you're there with your spouse or you're there with your kids or you're there with friends even. And you spend some time in prayer saying, and it doesn't have to be specific, but it can be confessing to God, I'm a sinner. I'm dirty. I need to be washed clean. And then you go through this hu- humble opportunity of washing one another's feet just as Jesus washed his disciples' feet. It's a rebaptism. Oliver just got baptized a minute ago. Every time we wash feet, it's the same baptism. It's a rebaptism of your whole being, your whole body, and your heart, too. And this morning, as we're about to do that, I have a challenge for you. It's, it's, a, it's a, something that's only personal to you, that can only be tailor made to you because of the Holy Spirit. Because today, as you wash feet, I wonder if there are others in your life, in your heart, where you need to have confession and repentance and forgiveness. It might be someone here in this very room right now. Maybe you've been hurt by something. Maybe someone said something. Maybe it's time to wash feet and give forgiveness. Maybe it's the other side of that coin where you're the one that has been talking badly about them or going behind their back. Or you've been the one griping and complaining and ranting and raving. Maybe it's your turn to go and ask for forgiveness. Confess and repent and ask for forgiveness. Maybe it's something else. Just a couple more applications. You know, maybe, it's, maybe it's a spouse this morning where the two of you have just been butting heads and it gets worse and worse. Maybe it's time to wash their feet. Who knows? It might have happened on the way to church this morning. Maybe it's with parents and kids and there was drama in the car on the way here. Maybe it's time to wash feet. May you spend time today, whether it's a text message or a phone call or just an in-person conversation, moving towards the forgiveness of humans to humans that comes from God to humans. Let me end with this passage. It's from James 5 and he says these words. Therefore, confess your sins to each other, and pray for each other so that you may be healed it's time to be clean again this morning you have the opportunity to wash each other's feet